0: In the summer of 2002, the director of the British Intelligence Agency, MI6, Richard Dearlove, traveled to Washington, D.C. to meet with the director of the CIA, George Tennant. The topic of the meeting was Iraq and its leader, Saddam Hussein. In the meeting, the CIA director shared classified information with his British counterpart who then traveled back to London to 10 Downing Street, the home of the prime minister, Tony Blair. Dearlove told his prime minister everything about what was really happening behind the scenes in the United States how the US was planning to invade Iraq no matter what. It was a highly classified meeting, but notes were taken and classified and put into a memo. That memo was later leaked to British author and journalist Michael Smith, who published it in 2005. And that's what we're looking at. A secret meeting and the memo it produced meant only for the eyes of top British officials. It was an explosive leak What we see is that Dearlove tells his prime minister everything he heard in Washington a few days earlier. And that this was a very different story than the one the Bush administration was telling to the public. That an American invasion was inevitable. That Bush's people were fixated on removing Saddam Hussein from power, no matter what. And that the US government was blatantly cooking up intel and facts to help sell their invasion. This document shows us how power really works in our world. How a small group of people decided to topple a dictator, to occupy a country, and then invented a story to support their plan. It was a false story, but it helped them sell a horrifying war. It's a story that is revealed in detail by the Downing Street Memo.
1: ever action is necessary on september the 11th enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country the united states military has begun strikes against al-qaeda terrorist training camps in afghanistan
0: let's start by looking at another document from the fall of 2001 when deputy secretary of defense paul wolfowitz created this memo for his boss donald rumsfeld the secretary of defense this was just 10 weeks after the attacks that changed the course of history But this document wasn't about that. It was about Iraq, a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. Rumsfeld reviewed the document before meeting with an army general. He marked it up with his notes, giving us insight into what the Secretary of Defense of the United States was really thinking about after 9-11. How this group of military leaders were set on, quote, building momentum to topple Iraq's dictator Saddam Hussein, to decapitate the government a government that was no longer useful to them. Saddam Hussein had been a useful client to the United States, especially in the 80s, when he was waging a war against Iran, an enemy of the United States. But those days were now over. Saddam had turned into just a troublemaker in the region, creating instability that could threaten the US's easy access to oil.
1: Two hours ago, Allied air forces began an attack on military targets in Iraq and Kuwait. This conflict started August 2nd when the dictator of Iraq invaded a small and helpless neighbor.
0: And in many ways, Iraq was an old mess in need of cleaning up. A mess that Bush Sr. had failed to resolve during the first Gulf War. Iraq was supposed to disarm itself after that war, but had kicked out the UN weapons inspector teams. But that wasn't the main reason why right after 9-11 these guys were talking about invading Iraq. A bigger reason is that these leaders wanted to remind the world who the global superpower was. They needed to after being brutally attacked on their own soil. A non-US friendly regime like Iraq couldn't be allowed to stand in a post-9-11 world. Or in the words of Rumsfeld himself, hours after the towers fell, quote, We need to bomb something else to show that we're big and strong and not gonna be pushed around. Iraq and its leader was that something else. And now Bush and his advisors were looking at a plan to make it a reality. But how to start the war? Could they tie Saddam Hussein to something that Americans feared like 9-11 or anthrax? Or could they tell a story about weapons of mass destruction? What other countries could they bring in to support their invasion? And of course, the most important consideration, Rumsfeld jots it here at the end, They would need an influence campaign. They would need to sell the war. And when should they begin? How about right away?
1: Iraq continues to flaunt its hostility toward America and to support terror.
0: Three months later, the president was telling the world that Iraq was one of a group of evil countries that the U.S. must oppose in the global fight against good and evil.
1: States like these constitute an axis of evil. The price of indifference would be catastrophic.
0: By the summer of 2002, this idea that Bush's advisors had scratched down after 9-11 was developing into an official policy that handwritten influence campaign to sell the war was now in full swing.
1: There is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. The Iraqi regime has been freed to pursue the development of weapons of mass destruction. We know they have weapons of mass destruction. There isn't any debate about it.
0: And this is exactly what the head of MI6 told Prime Minister Tony Blair at his house in the summer of 2002 after meeting with the CIA in Washington. It's what we see in the Downing Street memo, that there was a perceptible shift in action attitude in Washington and that the U.S. invasion of Iraq was now seen as inevitable and that they were now fixing intelligence around a decision that they had already made and that the U.S. wasn't really planning to work with the UN they didn't want weapons inspections or getting UN approval for military force and crucially the head of the MI6 tells the Prime Minister that these Bush people aren't really thinking much about the aftermath of such an invasion What is inevitable is not regime change, it is disarmament of weapons of mass destruction. This memo wasn't supposed to be seen by anyone but just a few, and that's why we can learn from it. It serves as one of the most potent pieces of evidence that the Bush administration was maneuvering two very different stories their private story about the need to remove a dictator to project US power, which was in stark contrast to the public story that they had to tell to sell the invasion, their influence campaign.
1: Any country on the face of the earth with an active intelligence program knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction.
0: Because they knew that if they were really gonna sell this war, they would need to convince not only the American public, but also Congress, and at least partially the international community. What we learn in the Downing Street memo is that they had settled on two main focus points for their story. That Iraq has weapons of mass destruction and that they're also working with the masterminds of 9-11. Not long after this meeting between MI6 and the CIA, Bush and his allies ramp up their influence campaign to sell their war.
1: We've learned that Iraq has trained al-Qaeda members in bomb-making, poisons, and deadly gases. The sales pitches
0: to the American people for an invasion of Iraq were made with absolute certainty. Certainty that Iraq had WMDs.
1: He had agreed, and the UN had agreed, that they would he would not have a WMD program. We know he does have one.
0: Certainty that they wanted to use them against Americans and American allies.
1: Simply stated. There is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction, that he is amassing them to use against our friends, against our allies, and against us.
0: Certainty that Iraq was harboring terrorists.
1: And al-Qaeda terrorists escaped from Afghanistan and are known to be in Iraq.
0: And certainty that Iraq was working on obtaining nuclear weapons.
1: Iraq's state-controlled media has reported numerous meetings between Saddam Hussein and his nuclear scientists, leaving little doubt about his continued appetite for these weapons.
0: And these speeches were working. By the fall of 2002, Americans were in favor of an invasion of Iraq by just a narrow majority. But there was just one problem, that all of these statements were lies. Indeed, this was already known in the secret rooms of Downing Street that the US was fixing their facts and their intel to match their already made decision. Iraq's supposed links to Al-Qaeda were based on one interrogation of a guy whose testimony lacked, quote, specific details and who was intentionally lying about it to mislead his interrogators. Bush and his allies knew this. It was clearly documented back in February of 2002. And yet publicly, the scary story about al-Qaeda being in Iraq continued to be sold by Bush and his people.
1: The Iraqi regime has plotted to develop anthrax, nerve gas, and nuclear weapons for over a decade.
0: The case for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq was equally thin, and senior officials knew it. Like in September 2002, when Donald Rumsfeld received this report from the Joint Chiefs, assessing what real evidence there actually was for WMD in Iraq. The report is shockingly honest, and it says that the conclusion that Saddam has WMD, quote, relied heavily on analytic assumptions and judgments rather than hard evidence. That's word salad for, it was speculation and conjecture. The report goes on to say that they didn't have anything solid on nuclear weapons-related facilities, and concludes that they don't know of anything facilities where Saddam may be producing or testing biological weapons. And so we know now that they had almost no evidence for their story about why the U.S. should invade Iraq. And yet even knowing this, they kept selling the same story, convincing the American people.
1: There's no doubt in my mind he wants to have a nuclear weapon and he's got some capacity. Wherever threats are forming against our country, we will respond.
0: But they couldn't go on like this forever. They knew that if they were really going to sell this war, they were going to need to show real, convincing evidence, not to the people, but to Congress. And this is where we get another instance of fixing the intelligence to fit the policy. It came in September 2002 when President Bush asked Congress to give him the authority to invade Iraq. In response, Senate leaders requested an immediate national intelligence estimate, which is a report from the entire intelligence community meant to help Congress make informed decisions. This could be really bad for Bush and his allies. So he and the CIA get hard at work pulling together a report that fits their story, intelligence to back up all their public statements and speeches. They come out with this highly redacted report that they deliver in October of 2002. The report makes some very strong claims. They claim that Iraq has been building more WMD, that they have chemical and biological weapons, and that they will have a nuclear weapon during this decade. And to congressional leaders, this appeared rock solid. Here was the entire intelligence community coming together saying that Iraq had horrific weapons and that they wanted to get more.
1: Saddam Hussein has composed a scarlet chapter of terror. Our only responsible option is to confront this threat before Americans die. There is no such thing as a Democrat or Republican war.
0: So in that same month, based on this report and all of these public speeches, Congress gives the green light for war. But this national intelligence estimate was deeply flawed. It was a perfect example of the fixed intelligence described in the Downing Street memo. It was put together in less than a month, totally rushed. The report had been plagued by groupthink and directed by political pressure, with the Bush administration pushing analysts to deliver a report that matched their conclusions that they had already come to months earlier. And they did this using very old intelligence. The CIA hadn't had any human assets on the ground for years, so their report wasn't even based off of anything after 1998. But it didn't matter. Bush and his allies had successfully sold the war to Congress and the American people. But there was one last hurdle. It was the international community, which would mean they would have to face the UN process that they apparently had no patience for.
1: Iraq has answered a decade of UN demands with a decade of defiance.
0: So it's November 2002, and in response to the rising tensions between Iraq and the US, the UN Security Council passes this resolution, 1441. It was a measure that was meant to give Iraq a final opportunity to comply with weapons inspections, to show the world that they had fully disarmed and had no weapons of mass destruction. Bush and his allies saw this as an opportunity. If they could somehow show that Iraq wasn't complying with this new inspection process, this resolution implied that they would be justified in invading the country. Their long-desired war would be on. But they had a problem, which is that Iraq and Saddam Hussein were complying with the weapons inspections. Over the course of four months, UN weapons inspectors searched Iraq from top to bottom. They were led by Hans Blix, the former head of the International Atomic Energy Agency. They conducted over 900 inspections at over 500 locations. And they didn't find anything. No WMD, no biological weapons, no nuclear weapons programs. Iraq has, on the whole, cooperated rather well. Access has been provided to all sites we have wanted to inspect. Universities, military bases, presidential sites, and private residences. Hans Blix did find two things that were important. First, they did find some ballistic missiles that the UN says have an effective range that makes them illegal, so they would need to be destroyed by Iraq. And second, there were some chemical weapons that the Iraqi regime said cannot be accounted for. But Blix insists that this does not mean that they have these weapons. It just means that they need more time to work out the accounting situation. But this error was exactly what the Bush Circle needed to justify their invasion.
1: I call now on the distinguished Secretary of State of the United States of America.
0: They sent their most respected cabinet member to the UN, Secretary of State Colin Powell. He came equipped with photos of what he says are mobile weapons facilities.
1: Saddam Hussein and his regime are concealing their efforts to produce more weapons of mass destruction.
0: He plays tapes that he says prove that the Iraqis are hiding their weapons.
1: We evacuated everything to make sure it was not around when the inspectors showed up.
0: And then he says that this is solid evidence that shows that Iraq is violating the UN resolution that told them to disarm. This whole thing contradicts what the UN weapons inspectors had found in their hundreds and hundreds of inspections. They bulldoze the process and say they have justification to invade.
1: My colleagues, we have an obligation to see that our resolutions are complied with.
0: They've got the American public on board, they've got Congress on board, and now the UK is in lockstep.
1: This is the time for this House to show that we
0: will stand up for what we know to be right. To show that we will confront the tyrannies and dictatorships and terrorists who put our way of life at risk. The Bush administration abandons the UN process, and that March, his people do what they set out to do 18 months earlier, when they were looking for something else to bomb to show who's really in charge on the world stage.
1: My fellow citizens, American and coalition forces are in the early stages of military operations to disarm Iraq, to free its people, and to defend the world from grave danger. America faces an enemy who has no regard for conventions of war or rules of morality.
0: Bush's war took the life of an estimated half million Iraqis, and thousands more who fought for their country. And over the course of a decade occupying Iraq, no weapons were found, no nuclear facilities, no mobile weapons labs. In fact, it seemed like Iraq had dismantled its nuclear program back in 1991 and the rest of its chemical and biological weapons just a few years later. After the invasion, the US never allowed the UN inspectors back into the country to help with their search. The US would never find a way to link the Iraqi regime to Al-Qaeda or to anthrax. Colin Powell, the Secretary of State who played a major role in selling this war to the international community, would later say that he regrets his part in starting the war.
1: I've deeply Now, Some of the information I presented, which was multi-source, was wrong.
0: Hans Blix, the chief weapons inspector for the UN, would comment later that year that it is sort of fascinating that you can have 100% certainty about weapons of mass destruction and zero certainty about where they are. We may never know what was in the heart and minds of these senior leaders, whether they truly believed their own lies, whether they felt justified in the choices they made. But what we can learn from this story is how these leaders behaved when they thought no one was watching. When they thought they could tell a compelling story to the public while having a totally different set of motivations. And how with enough fear and enough deception, you can lead an entire society into an unprovoked war, changing the course of history in the process.
1: Our economy is in recession and the civilized world faces unprecedented dangers. Yet the state of our union has never been stronger.